welcome to the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight, the podcast where we uncover the secrets of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and visionaries who've used public speaking to skyrocket their businesses and their bottom line. Get ready for captivating stories, valuable insights, and practical wisdom from the trailblazers who've mastered the art of the stage. I'm your host, Kelly O'Hara, and I'm thrilled to bring their experiences and expertise directly to you. Let's get started. Welcome back to the next episode of the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight. Today's guest, it is guaranteed to be fun. He's a lawyer, podcaster, and a filmmaker. His movie, Dadness, speaks to the importance of fathers in child development and to the benefit companies receive when they support dads with benefits like paternity leave. As a professional speaker, he helps corporations and organizations support fathers, which is good for their bottom line because supporting dads in the workplace increases productivity and loyalty. So please help me welcome David Pissarra to the show. Hi, David. Hey, Kelly. So I'm going to jump right in because your topic is fascinating to me. And, and I was a child of divorce, so I certainly come to this with, uh, uh, with a perspective on it. So I'm so glad that you're doing what you do. And let's talk about some of the challenges of families going through a divorce that you've un, un, uh, you know, encountered over the years. So can you share some common challenges that fathers face when representing themselves in family court and why this is an area that's so complex to navigate? Sure. The, 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 the first hardest part, I think, for fathers is dealing with the, the overwhelm of what happens. You know, their, their world has been blown up. It's, it's been structured in a particular way where they had the role and they were doing their role. And then all of a sudden, they're now frequently out of their house. Their access to their children is limited frequently. They now have huge financial pressures on them that they didn't have previously because just the simple logistics of two families, two homes, two sure. cable bills, two rents, two utilities, two I mean, everything is doubled. And as a consequence, the family as a whole suffers that emotional trauma of the financial drop in their standard of living. And as a father, you know, frequently my, my clients are saying to me, I'm supposed to be the provider. I'm supposed to maintain the same standard of living. Dude, there's no way it's possible. You cannot maintain the same standard of living. It's a false reality to even think that's possible. And, and so when men are then faced with this, now they're trying to figure out like, okay, so what do I do? How do I handle this? Oh, wait, I don't have any support network because all of my friends were her friends. And well, I can go to my family, but I don't really want to go dumping on my family and let them know that I'm feeling insecure, out of reach. I don't have enough money. I'm going to be less than in their eyes. So my ego is getting involved. How do I go to my best friend? Don't really want to like get vulnerable with him. And at work, I'm like, my head's like, I'm zoning out because I've got, I've got bills. I got this, I got that. How come I can't see my kids? I'm emotionally distraught. So my productivity drops. And if I'm on any sort of like commission or bonus schedule, now it's going to have even more pressure. So the, the overall overwhelm that men go through in a divorce is just tremendous. And very few people ever talk about this. You know, I think that's very true. I've had many friends that have been through that experience. And I think the women naturally congregate together. You know, they pull each other around each other and support each other. And I think the men are often just left out on their own and trying to figure out how they're going to navigate this and still trying to have that position of, 
you know, in, even in the company of, no, I got all this under control, when in fact everything has gone south. And besides finances, now add to that that custody is so often such a hotly contested issue between parents who are divorcing. And in your experience, uh, besides what the families are going through, that, that internal issue, and they're not getting along on a lot of subjects, so this is certainly going to be the hotbed subject. How is it that, um, in your experience, what are the, some of the biases and misconceptions that fathers often encounter within the court system? You know, can you let us some, know some specific ways the court system can be difficult, specifically for fathers who are seeking custody or they want more involvement with their children's lives? And it seems like it's, you know, everything's out of their control. So, so let's just back up one. Let's take a half step back and, and, and understand what's actually gone on here. Because frequently what's happened is the, the wife, who is 70% of the time the filer, has spent 18 months to three years planning the divorce. They've positioned themselves financially. They've interviewed two or three lawyers if they're going to go down the lawyer route. They talked with most of their girlfriends. They have everything planned out. Emotionally, they processed everything. And the man is getting blindsided. Here's your paperwork. You got to be out of the house. Oh, by the way, you start owing child support, alimony, and you get to see your kids when mom lets you. Okay. So a man now looks at this as like, okay, I got blindsided. Now what do I do? Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell the judge I'm a great dad, and I'm going to get my 50% custody because that's what's fair. Um, hate to tell you, you can't walk into a courtroom and look at a judge and go, I'm a great dad, because while he, judge probably believes that you are, They've heard that from every other dad through all time. No man ever walks in the court and goes, hey, I want my 50% custody, but I'm a pretty much of a screw up as a dad. So like, you know, I, I'm a horrible parent, but I should get my, no one says that. So you're going to walk into court and you're going to say nothing of real value to the dad and then wonder why you're not getting what you want from the judge. So to begin with, they're walking into a system that they know nothing about, what they're not prepared for, that the other side is very well prepared for. And they're, again, financially distraught. And they're thinking, well, I'll let her lawyer handle everything. And I'll just go in. I'll tell the judge my, I'm a great dad. Get my 50%. And I won't have to spend the ten dollars or $20,000 for a lawyer on my divorce. Well, that, that's going to be a bit of a mistake because you're going to get chewed up badly in that process. The, the better option would be to go in having some knowledge at least of the way things work of what you have to tell the judge of why you're a great dad show the judge what makes you a wonderful father show the judge how involved you have been and we do that with declarations and evidence and calendars and emails and proof to show to the judge that listen i've been involved i've gone to their school i know the boy scouts team i know the girl scouts i've done all this stuff and so if they actually did a little bit of work beforehand and had tools that could help them go into court They'd be in a much better position to prepare for themselves and to protect their children and their their time with their kids so would you say in that situation it sounds to me like you it would be advisable not to walk in with just a lawyer just a divorce lawyer you need to walk in with someone who's an advocate for your parenting that you really need to have someone that's going to help you stand up for your rights and then that begs the question, what about the father who 
has, you know, the mother's the one that's carried the majority of it because they're the more um, present person. This happens all the time. And father's realizing, oh my gosh, everything's gone south. Maybe he was surprised or he wasn't surprised. But truth is, what if he's ready now? He doesn't want to lose the last opportunity that he has to be a parent. And if he hasn't been 100% present, what if he wants to be more present now does he have a shot is there something he can do to better his position to he lost the marriage is there any way for him to be able to salvage and protect his children that need him to be in their lives there, there's a lot that can be done uh and it's generally happens over time um there there's usually what's called a step-up plan for dads that want to become more involved and and again this is one of those where frequently one of the problems we run into is Courts and, and families like things to maintain the status quo, no real changes. So it's hard for a dad who's been an 80 hour work week guy to suddenly cut back to 40. Mm -hmm. But but we can do that. We can if we can find a reason in a way, make that happen. So that now there's availability to be there as the parent. Um, the other big factor really is the age of the children. You know, the kids at, at a very young age are one thing and teenagers are a whole other creature. And, and your involvement is going to be very different during that whole span of time between those two. So it's a question of where are you in that in their development and what is it you can bring to the table? And if you want to bring something to the table, you have to be able to show why that's really in the child's best interest. Because at the end of the day, most judges really have that as their primary purpose. And, and in my experience, most judges really do want that to be the case. And they're they're frequently lacking the tools and the information to give all the information, the value that it needs to be in a best interest decision. So you, I was gonna ask you next about um, dad's law school and how that came about. What was the impetus for that that made you pull the trigger and really put your focus there? Where did that come from? And I know you started Union of Dads podcast. I mean, you're all over this issue. Tell me what it was that that made that decision for you on a personal level, that this became your advocacy? For 24 years, I have fought for dads and family court. My, my very first case really was a friend from law school who had a child with a woman and she was married and he didn't get to be a dad to that kid because the child was presumed to be the husband's child. And that was sort of sparked in me a desire to help dads. And then over the next 24 years, what I've done is I've represented an awful lot of men who burn out. They burn out emotionally. They burn out financially. And so they're coming to me as like a court of last resort going like, help. I need your help. You're the only one that's talking about this stuff. I don't have any money to help to pay you. How can you like help me? And I said, I, I, I have to take care of myself too. I can't do everybody pro bono because that's not a good business model, <laughs> but I do want to help. So the question is, how do you then take what you know and share it with the world in a way that can help more people? And that was really the desire to create dad's law school came out of that, that desire to share, you know, not everything I know, because how you possibly could share 24 years worth of knowledge, impossible, but I can share the basics of what men can do to help themselves when they're going into court. They can have a better idea of what they need to show the judge, how they need to show the judge, and make it affordable for most people to be able to 
start protecting their rights and the rights of their children when they're going into court. That's spectacular. And, and, and it really plays into why we decided to do this show, the six figure speaker spotlight, that it was about not just escalating your business and scaling up, but it was about making a difference. And while you can't take every case on individually, you've created, you know, a platform for yourself through the podcast, through the movie that you have, through the work that you're doing, but through public speaking, that you can let dads know they have options. And, you know, you and I had a conversation once uh, recently about, you know, there's power in women getting to hear your perspective too, because, you know, it's all great when you're in that, that divorce mode and you're trying to extricate yourself out of it whoever the lever is the levy is the one that is you know scrambling um i think that the work that you you know a lot of the perspective you put out there is great for women to hear you know maybe people turned out not to be great husbands or it didn't work out but that you know don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. A, a wonderful father is um you know tantamount to healthy children to healthy, well-adjusted children, and you, and it's a new relationship. You know, you're transitioning this marriage, however long you had it that brought these kids into the world. But, you know, you don't get to just leave the party. You have to transition it into a different kind of relationship, and that's why your work was so fascinating to me, because um, you're right there at the at the the level of family. Now let's chat about this. You have a real focus on companies and working with corporations. Tell me more about that. Well, you know, corporations have a vested interest in employees who are happy. And if an employee isn't happy, they're not going to be very productive. I know from my own experience when I was in the corporate world, bad days led to just low productivity days. And those lead to, you know, sort of a, an overall malaise amongst everybody because it starts affecting everyone. And so a corporation can turn around and, and, and support their fathers with saying, we have a paternity leave policy and we mean it. We want you to actually take that time. Not the like, oh, we're going to give it to you, but don't really, we don't really want you using it. Because, because <laughs> that's prevalent. <laughs> it is prevalent because there's, there's that desire of, well, if I take time off, am I going to lose my track up the corporate ladder? Is this going to impede me in the long term? And the reality is, if they take the time off and do the paternity leave, they'll come back, they'll be better, better employees who are more motivated because now they realize how bonded they are to their children. And when somebody's bonded to their children, we all know this, every parent would do anything for their kid. And as a consequence, they're going to translate that energy into how they do their job. That's so true. And they have to have that time to make that connection. It's the truth. You know, a lot of time, if the mother is the one that's the more hands-on, the dad's like, okay, I'll, I'll go make a living, you know, I'll climb up the corporate ladder and I'll do all that. And I know that things are taken care of at home, but they're missing that very unique opportunity there is to bond with that child in their own way alone, just the two of them and uh, between each other. And so that's so powerful. Well, and the other thing is this, you know, everybody who's had a child and bonds with that child, they develop a, a greater sense of empathy. They develop that greater sense of attunement with others. Well, would you rather have a team of people who are individuals unattuned to each other, who have no ability to communicate emotionally, 
or would you rather have a team of people that can actually pick up on each other's emotions and pull together? Well, and, is, and that's, that's asking a lot. On your team. Say that again, David. That's going to be a much stronger team in the long run. So true. So true. You know, well, and if you think about it, like, why do people leave their jobs? I think it's like 80% of people leave their jobs because their direct supervisor, it's a personality conflict. It's not the, it's not the work. It's generally not the company. So if we're creating an environment that is more loving, more available, more supportive of family, and everyone around us is seeing that, there's going to be a greater desire to stay with that, within that company. So turnover is going to go down. So go back to the court system for me, because I don't want to leave this subject. I've been hearing it a lot lately about how the court system itself is not always very um, accommodating um, and sometimes can be punitive, unrealistically, un unrealistically punitive to the fathers and mothers and, and becoming a, a, kind of beyond their control, initiating all kinds of therapeutic analysis and, and, and adding all kinds of steps for people to jump through that are really often, I hear, so cost prohibitive, where it just breaks families. How do you get around that? What, what changes do you see that need to be made, but in the interim, because, you know, it's like a, what do they say, an ocean liner, you can't, you know, can't change direction on an ocean liner in three feet of water, you, it's going to take time, what can they do? to mitigate some of that expense that the court seems to just, you know, dictate has to be done. Is there any way to get around that? A lot of it is by, by in a, when you're going into court the first time and you're for a father who's submitting their declaration that says, here's why I'm a great dad. By showing to the judge that I don't need a parenting class, your honor. I've been raising this child for three years. I know how to deal with them. Here's how I punish them. I know how to deal with them and we're in a store and they have a meltdown. I don't freak out and start throwing things. I don't get angry. I pick the child up and we move outside. By telling the judge with proof that you don't need these things, you're less likely to have them imposed upon you. So if you turn to a judge and say, you know, your honor, I, you can think maybe I'm, I'm just a guy, but the reality is, oh yeah, I was in the army. I was a medic. I really don't need a first aid course. Like, don't make me do this. And do you find that they're that it they're receptive? The judges, absolutely, A judge, as much as we kind of want to be mad at them frequently, are just humans. If you tell them the story, if you give them the evidence, they're going to find in your favor most of the time. And and there may be competing reasons. There may be balancing on the other side. Mom be, may be saying. Yes, he was a medic in the army, but here's what my experience with him is. And now a judge has to balance those two. But at least you've given the judge some information to make a balanced decision. So would you suggest, in most cases, would you suggest before getting involved in a court situation to have, oh my gosh, I hate it when the word falls out of my mind, but what's the to get together and have a, a conversation with both attorneys and both parties and see if you can work it out. So yes, mediation is what mediation. we normally call that. Um, 
Sometimes it's called a four-way conversation where the, the two parties and two lawyers come together and we try and work things out. There's usually a requirement in the courts for attorneys to meet and confer before any court hearing, trying to work things out, because particularly in family law, judges want the family to come to a family decision. And they, the guys on the truth, I think, is they want both parties to be unhappy. If one party walks away feeling like they have won everything, the other side got steamrollered, and that's probably not a good situation. But if both parties are walking away, eh, I didn't get everything I wanted, that's a good deal because both parties won and both parties lost on something. That's what they're happy with because they don't <laughs> want to be that. making the decisions. That makes me think of my father who always said, who is a good negotiator, and he always said the best deal is always when everyone has to leave something on the table. Exactly. And I really, I love that. Well, I love the work that you're doing, David. I really appreciate it. It's so powerful. There are a lot of issues going on in the world right now. Um, and, and there are so many things to tackle, but family and our children and the next generations and how we handle divorce and parenting is essential to everything. It, it, it just, the other things just don't compare um for quality of life um for everybody that's involved so the fact that you've taken this on with such a passion and such a warmth i mean i i don't want to leave without asking you about your movie dadness i want you to tell me about it so dadness was a documentary that that aired at the i want to say july 2018 father's conference put on my children's institute it's a 20-minute short, and it interviews a bunch of experts and dads about the value of fathers in a child's life. And, and one of the things that we know is that when dads are involved in a child's life, there's a greater vocabulary, there's greater math skills, there's more openness, there's less drugs, less prison, less bad behavior. And as a consequence, we end up with children that are more um, emotionally stable as a result of having that sense of calm of having a father in their life. And so the movie kind of explores what is that element? What is that thing that, that dads bring to child rearing? And, and why is that important? And we talk about things like the value of paternity leave and how do you create that bond between fathers and children? And why is that important for companies? Well, I, I'll tell you, you just, you're walking on all sides of this issue and really, I'm glad you're on the forefront. This is one of, you know, again, the reasons we do this is that your message, your voice matters um, and people need to get out there and talk about this. It doesn't have to be in the dark. We can do this better and you're just a major advocate. And as we wrap up this, it's truly a thought-provoking conversation with you, David. It's evident that your passion for empowering fathers and reshaping the family court landscape, it really runs deep for you. Um, and, and plus, I can tell underneath there's such a great sense of humor that you have that that's what struck me about you from the very beginning. And that's important because this is all very important stuff, but relax a bit, chill, let's have a conversation and see if we can get through this. So with your experience over 25 years, you're just, you're a testament to, you know, your unyielding dedication and through Union of Dads and Dads Law School, you have to check out his podcast, 
David's really creating a warm and supportive haven for fathers that are navigating what is really challenging terrain. So his coaching program, his education, his advocacy, David's lighting the path for fathers and emboldening them to stand up for their rights and for children's rights. So thank you, David, for sharing your insights and unwavering mission with us today. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you. Thank you, and Kay. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. It's it was joyous. I'm so glad. And we even had tech difficulties starting today, and we've managed to get through it. So thank you so much. Um, and My with pleasure. that, we reached the end of another engaging episode on the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight podcast. These conversations with remarkable speakers have provided a glimpse into their journeys, their wisdom, and the power of their words. So speaking your journey is tantamount to creating change. As we wrap up, I hope you're walking away with new insights, motivation, and a sense of connection to these inspiring voices. So keep an ear out for our upcoming episodes where we'll continue to unveil the stories shaping the world of speaking and leaving a lasting impact. And until next time, keep sharing your voice and we'll be here to amplify it. Okay, I think that's it. <laughs> all right, woo, we made it. How did that go for you? It was good. Is I that all right? It. Yeah. I wanna thank you for joining us on this episode of the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight. We hope you enjoyed this deep dive once again into the remarkable stories and insights of our incredible guests. Their experiences and wisdom are not just meant to inspire you, but to provide you with actionable steps to take on your own path to success. Remember, you have a story to tell and your voice has the power to transform your business and make lasting impact. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an empowering conversation. We'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a review and share the show with your friends, colleagues, and your fellow visionaries. Until next time, keep speaking, keep growing, and keep reaching to make your difference. This is Kelly O'Hara, signing off from the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight.